is the main machine, Al Green. And you're listening to Amato's Fifth Quarter. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the second episode of A5Q. And I just want to say before I get into this episode that the the feedback I got last week's episode with my chat with Dustin Fletcher was absolutely fantastic. It was overwhelming to, to hear everyone say they enjoyed the, the interview and, and what I had to provide and what he had to say. It was, it was great, firstly, to sit down with Fletch and, and have a chat with him and to delve into his AFL career, but also... It does take a long time to sort of edit the videos and put the sound effects and all that sort of stuff. So to spend such a long time and to be prepping it for so long and then to upload it and to, to receive that positive feedback, it was really, really encouraging. And, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who did the, take the time to to personally say something to me and, and also to, to write reviews and put a rating up on Apple Podcasts. I really do appreciate it. And if you haven't checked out the Dustin Fletcher interview, definitely check it out. He goes into his career the highs and lows, talks about the premierships, the 2001 grand final loss. He talks about the Kevin Sheedy era, the Matthew Knights era, and of course that James Hurd era, including the the drug scandal that occurred at Essendon. He does go into that as well. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. And again, thank you to everyone who did take a time to, to give me some encouraging words. It really does mean a lot to me. But now we're going to move on because episode two features a massive, massive guest. Today, my special guest is Al Green, one of the absolute icons and absolute legends of Australian basketball. When I say this, I really do mean it. Today's episode is special for a number of reasons. This guy, Al Green, you do not have to be an NBL fan. You do not have to be a basketball fan in general to enjoy this episode because Al Green has got an incredible story, and I really do mean that. He was an absolute joy to sit down and listen to. Um, he is a man of color, so he's African-American born from the Bronx, New York City, which is obviously, well, back then especially, was a very tough place to, to, to grow up. And his story to come from, from those beginnings, to make it here in Australia, and to still live here now, and 
He does go into some detail about how he considers himself so lucky to still live in Australia and to still live the life he does because he had or he grew up in in not the best environment and he saw some things that a lot of people think is just sort of in the movies or it's it's not it's not real necessarily and it is real. Some of the things that he went through and some of the things he saw growing up were crazy. So um, I really do hope you get something from this episode. And of course, he does talk about his basketball career and just looking at what he achieved in his career. He's a two-time NBL champion, 1982 with the West Adelaide Bearcats and 1986 with the Adelaide 36 as a part of that invincible team that only lost two games the entire season. He was the NBL most valuable player in 1982. He's a two-time All-NBL first-teamer. He's a three-time NBL All-Star representative. He was the NBL scoring champion in 1984. And of course, his number 15 jersey has been retired from the Adelaide 36ers, hangs from the rafters at all Adelaide 36er home games. And he played 340 games of top-level NBL here in Australia, uh, assembling 7,519 points, 1,441 rebounds, and 1,024 assists. So... On the court, he was an absolute legend, and off the court, he's a really funny guy to talk to. And as I mentioned earlier, he does have an inspiring story. But I do want to just shout out a quick warning just before you do listen to this that um, some of his stories do, you know, have traits of racism and violence as well. So some of the things he talks about, some may consider disturbing or distressing. So I just want to put that that warning out there. If you, you are a little bit sensitive to those sort of topics, just just be aware of it. But look, enough of me talking. Let's get into this episode. Let's welcome the man on. It is from the West Adelaide Bearcats, Adelaide 36ers and the Newcastle Falcons, Mean Our Green, about to come onto the ground. On the streets of the Bronx is where I want to be. Welcome back to Amato's fifth quarter and today we're very lucky to be joined by the great Al Green of the West Adelaide Bearcats, Adelaide 36ers and the Newcastle Falcons. Me and Al Green, thanks very much for coming on the show. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. You know, you are somebody I've wanted to have on for such a long time. It's been 27 years now since you retired. Yo, please don't say that because it makes me feel even older. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, you're young at heart. Exactly. And and that's the way you got to think because if you don't think like that, that's when you lose out. That's when you start feeling old. But ain't nothing wrong with being, you know, being old. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 67 years young. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, I, and you know what? It's, it's, it's funny how uh, the guys used to tease me because when I first came over, I kind of like shaved my age a little bit. And then <laughs> when, when I got to the point where I was playing at 40, I was proud. You know, I was still starting for Newcastle at 40. It was out. It was uh, Newcastle made it to the playoffs that year. So, you know, I, I was really proud of my 
achievements just with that being that age. No, 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 not anymore. I, I'm, I'm fully retired. Well, what have you been up to since you've uh, since you hung up the boots? Just basically, I, I still do my basketball camps. And um, matter of fact, this year we got our 25th anniversary with TriStar Academy, and um, just doing that and uh, basically working, working. I, I, I work for Titanium um, Security, and it's awesome. I love it. I, like it. I always say to people when they ask me, I'm living the dream. Living the dream. How good's that? Yeah, you know, because you know, at you know, at the end of the day, at, when you get to that certain peak of your career in your life, you just want to enjoy it. You just want to enjoy life, and you know, doing that, I enjoy it. So you know, and I've always said to myself, as a player, as a coach, if you don't enjoy doing what you do, don't do it. If you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? I'll take you right back to the start. You were born in the South Bronx of New York. Yep. Now, the Bronx is somewhere I've always wanted to go to. I mean, my favorite movie is A Bronx Tale. But I hear through the grapevine, and sometimes down there in the Bronx, things can happen. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been very fortunate because at, in the times when I was growing up there, it was really, really bad. And now... It's, it's like a situation where you just basically understand that's the way it was, you know, because, um, you know, we were in gangs. I got stabbed. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the name of our gang was the Black Eagles. The Black Eagles? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, 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 you know, I was like, I think about 14, 15, we just walking around the corner, getting ready to walk around the corner, and you hear this bang, like a cap, like a firecracker, pop. And once we turn the corner, we seen this guy on the floor, shot. If we were there two minutes earlier, or not even two minutes early, uh, let's say 20 seconds, we would have been right in the middle of it. Wow. Yeah, yeah we would have been right in the middle of it. So, um, it, it, it was a situation where we, I mean, you know, that was life. That was life in the, in the, in the ghetto. Yeah, because I've watched the, the 36ers documentary and you did call it the real ghetto, but yeah, you didn't obviously go into it in that detail. But So you actually saw that, that happen? Yes. And you can see, you know, bullet hole in this guy's head. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you, so you, you, you basically, and then, you know, like we were in shock and everything else, but then we looking around to make sure the guy that did it, I think it was probably a gang, I mean, not even a gang situation, it was a drug thing. <clears throat> and he took off, but you didn't know if he thought we seen him and he's coming back to get us, so we just went the other way. Did you always have to be on high alert? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yes, yes, yes. It, I think when you're brought up in it, you know how to adapt to it, right? So, you know, uh, every day occurrence for me compared to someone else would be a culture shock, uh, 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 a situation where they're going through, a, you know, a crisis because it's, it's, it's the ghetto, you know, it's, it's guns. And I mean, like every night you hear gunshots where I lived. And um, that's, that's the way, that's just the way it was. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So you so you grow up with it. So it ain't nothing new to you. It, it, it it's not shocking. Oh, here we go again. Something happening. You know what I mean? So it's just and, just like an everyday thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, your teenage years and everything there in the Bronx, and then you attended Maine Central Institute in Pittsfield. Selected. Boy, you got you got some history there. You ain't. Oh, I'm doing my research here. Don't worry about yes, that, man. Yes, you have done your research. Selected in the third team parade All American side in 1974 yes. when you were 21. Oh my God, you're right. So you're you right. sure? Surely you knew from that from a young age that you had the ability to be a very good basketball player. Extended onto your college career because you played for Arizona Western College and then NCU and LSU. And yeah, yeah, you got it. You, you <laughs> and you played. I'm not sure if it's you played with or you played against the likes of Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and the late Moses Malone. Oh, oh, definitely. Uh, I, I'll start from the first part. Myself and Moses was roommates in the Dapper Dan uh, Classic. It was like the McDonald's game. And, oh, okay. And, and me and him was roommates because I met him at this real famous basketball camp called Five Star Basketball, right? Yeah. And it was all of the elite players in America on the East would go to these camps, right? And me and him became friends there. And then that following year, we were seniors. So we played in the All-Star game together in you know, they fly you in and everything and they match you up in the room. So me and him was roommates and he was, he was awesome. He, he was uh, a funny dude, funny dude. And the magic situation was he came to visit NC State on a visit and me and him got along really, really well. And he invited me to do some work at his camp that he had at the Magic Johnson camp in L.A. after we retired and everything else and we caught up again. So, um, yeah, yeah, me and him was pretty cool as well. Do you still keep in contact with Magic Johnson? No, no, I mean, you know how, come on. I mean, like, uh, one of the guys that played with Magic, Kenny Carr, me and him played together at NC State. I I caught up with him about two or three years ago, me, my, my wife, and his his wife. We, we caught up in San Francisco, and we hung out. But this is Kenny Carr. He played in the NBA for... 12 years, yeah. me and him were really, really close. We were roommates for two years at NC State. And he basically, um, he knew Magic too. And then Magic said, look, um, and, and then, yeah, that's when Magic said, look, come on, why don't 
to come work at my camp because I was thinking about trying to do camps. So I wanted to see how he did his. And it was it was really an eye-opener to do it like that because the kids stayed there like they do here. What's up, guys? I'm sorry to pause, but quarter time break here on A5Q. I did mention at the start of this episode, but the previous guest I had on was the great Dustin Fletcher, 400 gamer and two-time premiership player. If you missed that episode, do go back and have a look. But just in case you're still deciding, should I listen to it, should I not? Well, you definitely should. But here's a little snippet of it. Again, I, you know, I mentioned I, I wasn't enjoying it. You know, you're driving into the footy club and everything was getting talked about was the, the drug saga and, you know, what we're having and what we're taking and, and what we were doing wrong. And it wasn't about footy at all, was it? It was, you know, everyone was just talking talking about the drug saga, which it was. It was obviously a, a massive, massive thing at the time. And, um, yeah, I found that tough, you know. Um, you know, there were players that didn't even get tested during that time from 2011 to 2012. And I was one of those players that actually wasn't even tested by the AFL. So... To, you know, to, to be suspended from football and, and to sort of, yeah, to go through the, you know, the biggest fight in AFL history and, you know, the blackest day in sport, as it was called, was, was pretty tough to take because we weren't talking about footy, were we? We were talking about other things off the ground when, um, you know, all I wanted to do was play footy and, and enjoy the game of football. But uh, that wasn't the case for, in the end, three or four years. That's enough for now, I think. If you want to check it out, just go back and you'll see an episode one. Anyway, let's get back to the great Al Green. What about Bernard King? Bernard King, he's from New York. So we played in Philadelphia and I I got a sweet little story for you. Oh, okay. When me and me and Bernard, we we were playing at Boston College. That's where they stepped it. They used to call us the shootout competition so you had new york you had philadelphia you had uh washington you had you had about four or five different states in new york and they bring all of the elite college i mean high school players in so me and bernard was representing new york and we were roommates i was roommates with him and we forgot i mean we, we just slept in and we missed lunch now we're in Boston, Massachusetts, right? And this is the early 70s kind of, right? And we asked our coach, cause he had a car and we were on campus so we didn't need a car. And he, we asked him, can he get us, can we go get something to eat? Because we missed lunch and we had a game about three o'clock. And he goes, okay, so we get in the car and we drive into town and when we go to town, we went to go into this restaurant and they wouldn't serve us. And me and Bernard looked at each other like, what? Okay. Um, and then my coach, the coach says, yo, excuse me? What the, and, the, and then they called the cops. Wow. And, yep, called the cops. And the cops met us, told us to come outside. <clears throat> said, you guys not allowed, what are y'all doing here? My coach said, no, we're with the tournament, blah, 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 but you're not allowed to eat there. And that was obviously like a, a racist thing. Oh, no, it wasn't because we were, yeah, you believe me, it was a racist thing. Yeah, and, I, and me and Bernard both just looked and just in shock. That's crazy. In shock. And, 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 and if I see Bernard today, you know, because he still lives in New York, I would tell that story and he would agree 
with me 100% because yeah, that definitely, definitely did happen to us. And, and I said, I'll never go to Boston. I said, I'll never go to school. I mean, I said, I'll never go to school in Boston. Yeah, because obviously that was a, 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 and still to a certain extent is a big issue now today in society. Yeah. Does, does that, yeah. that story, does that, when you think about that, does that still bother you? Uh, it just gives you a, a, an awareness of what America is about, you know, and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I'm glad I'm here. I, I mean, I, I, I thank my lucky stars that I, I've taken Australia as home. You know what I mean? I because I know most Australians do not have that hate like the white Americans have. It's not I dislike you. You know, you might feel some people say, Oh, the Aboriginal is Aboriginal, you know, the Aboriginal people, good, good people. They don't hate them. Yeah. They don't hate them. You know what I mean? That it's it's a different thing when you hear a tone of someone saying I hate. It comes from the. That's coming from the heart. I hate you. I hate you. Right, and you can see it in their eyes. Right, that's the difference. That's the difference. Then that from here to there, you know. And and like I said, when I think about it, I always say I think my lucky stars. I went to a school. I, and then the crazy thing about it, me and him both went to to places where they hang black people. Because I went to LSU. LSU was where the KKK basically started. And um, Bernard King went to uh, Tennessee. And that's that both of them are, are redneck places. But that's where we played our college basketball. So you do get over it, but it just makes you more aware of it. Probably makes you a stronger person as well. Yeah, yeah, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. You know, I, 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 I sit back and I, and I say, like, like I said earlier, I thank my lucky stars that I got out where I got out. But then you go to another atmosphere, then there's another hurdle you got to jump over. It's racism. My, my family originated in Italy. Mm-hmm. And is there, in the Bronx, is there a big thing between that, or was there at the time, a big thing between the Italian Americans and the African Americans was that a thing, or is that just no, 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 no? I mean, okay. To be perfectly honest with you, I we didn't have that much to do with Italians in New York, okay? Because we were in the ghetto, and they were in, you know, uh, you know, they like they had their own little area, and if we never crossed bridges, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it wasn't, you know, we always hear about the mafia and everything else. So we stayed in our lane. You know what I mean? We're like, shit, this is big time stuff. You know, we <laughs> we just little young kids out hanging out on the street. You know what I mean? So we never, never, never had any association problem. Only the only Italian guy I met, and this was in Louisiana, Louisiana, uh, and his name was uh, Mr. Guglielmo. And he was a, 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 he was like a, he went to school at LSU and he was awesome to us. He, I mean, all the players, he took care of us. He, uh, he was a self-made millionaire and, um, in oil rigs and stuff like that. So he, he had it, he had it. And, um, he was like, he was almost like a father figure to us. Right. So, I mean, so as I grew up, 
I've never had that, but I've always had a good relationship with, you know, with the Italians. And, and even here, some of my my guys are that. They're Italian or Greek. <laughs> yeah. Because we, we got this little bond, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes, you know, you gotta accept people for what they are and what you are. And if you're honest with each other and you keep it real, you can have a, a, a everlasting friendship. And, and most of those guys, I think that's their motto as well. So that's why we both, I mean, we like, we get along very, very well. Because we're all just people at the end of the day. Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. Well, look, Al, we haven't even gotten onto your basketball career. Just fascinating <laughs> stories. But you were drafted by the Phoenix Suns with their 64th pick in the third round back in 1979. So you've actually been on an NBA list. What are your memories from those days? And are you disappointed you never actually played an NBA game? I never, I mean, I, I played in a summer league with uh, the Houston Rockets. <clears throat> I had a uniform, I had everything. I played exhibition games with Phoenix and thing because we played against Dr. J, we played against Larry, we played against Magic. And so I did have a uniform, but it was preseason when they were chopping down the, the you know, their list. Um, you know, you know something, I I said to myself, I'll give it two goals. And the first year when I got drafted, you can't help where you go. And with Phoenix, you can't help where you go. Um, because that's the team that drafted me, right? And Houston, it was a situation where I was taking a chance, but the they had they were paying good money to be practice bait or whatever you want to call it and they put me in the LA league and they took care of me and then you know and it was a, a gamble I should have went to a, a worse team because both teams I went to made it to the grand final that next year it wasn't like I was going to a, a weak team I went to a strong team that was setting up for, for a championship because the uh, Phoenix Suns that year went to the grand final and then the following year I went to Houston and Houston went to the grand final so it wasn't like I was training against a bunch of bums <laughs> you know what I no, mean no you were playing against the best of the best at the time yeah at the time yeah so that's where I think that was more or less a little bit of my downfall because I made it to the last cut with both of them and now if I would have this is my whole philosophy you know, because you have time to think about it when you're a whole ass man like me <laughs> So do you think it was do you think it was more difficult to get into the NBA at the time because obviously you had to compete with the likes of Magic Johnson and Bernard King and even the GOAT Michael Jordan? No, no, see Michael was after us, right? But the, you know the whole thing was it was I mean, like if 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 I didn't have bad luck, I have no luck at all. That's what I used to say. <laughs> because the ABA just folded. Remember they had the ABA with Dr. J and all of them? Playing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they voted one year, two years right before that, and then all of them were coming over to the new teams, and they had a couple of new teams, but they don't have they didn't have as many teams as they have now, and the roster was only eleven. Where now it's like fourteen, fifteen. It's it's crazy. So there's more right. obviously more opportunity. Oh yeah, oh, definitely. It was it was more jobs. 
it was it was the same amount of players coming out of college and everything else, and but it was less jobs, you know. But but you know, like I like I always look back in life and I said, look, I I enjoyed every little bit of moment I had there. Um, some people came, you know, came out at the right time. They got in. They did, you know, they did not. They did something or they didn't do nothing, but they were there. I take my hat off to them. I've always said, you know, you got to be happy, as I said before, what or what you get and what you have. Absolutely. What about your opportunity to play American football? Because you were also selected in the NFL draft by San Diego Chargers as a defensive back. Yep. Why was it you chose basketball over football? I never played football. <laughs> That's the problem. I never played football. And, and, and the thing with it, when, when they drafted me, we, we were joking around one day because they had it on the news, like Al Green and LSU drafted to the San Diego Chargers. And LSU's a great football college. Great. And, you know, and I got drafted over some of them. Right? And so we, we're walking to lunch, and they were, and a couple of my teammates were like, yeah, man, yelling out. And the football players are going to lunch. So, man, can you believe that Al got drafted over some of the football players? And that's, you know, like, <laughs> I said, man, y'all better shut the hell up. <laughs> the big boys know, right? Because that, that was something that was an honor for me to get drafted for football. But they told me they were going to do it because they had me run a race to 40. And I ran the second fastest in the country. Then right after it, I, I had my sneaker. I, I put my, I had some, some um, like cleats on. And then I had my basketball shoes in my bag, and I just threw them out and started playing basketball. Fifteen minutes later, <laughs> and they just looked at me like this guy. Yeah. And then the Dallas Cowboys sent me a letter. I still have today, and they said to me. They said to me, um, if I, if I'm still around, they're going to draft me in the draft. They were very happy with my run and they think I would make a really, really good football player. And, but San Diego Chargers beat them to the punch. Right. Yep. San Diego beat them to the punch. And, and then I went to the camp because I said, look, let me, let me see what it's like. I've never played football, but let me see if I, I might like it. Right. I might fall in love with it. So I went, they, they, they brought me in the rookie camp, then I stayed there for a little while, then the camp was over, then they brought me back for the veteran camp, then they said to me, they wish, I mean, if your agent can come, because we want to give you a contract. And I said, okay, I called up my agent, and we, he came, we sat there, we talked to him, and then I said to him, and I mean, like I said, okay, look, that sounds great. The money, you know, it's not that much, but I'm a rook, and so it's, it's good. That's great. And then I said, let me think about it. We had breakfast in the morning, because that was dinner, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. And then when I went home, went to sleep, I mean, went back to the hotel, went to sleep, I just woke up and said, I'm not a football player. I said, I'm, I'm, I don't feel it in my heart that I, you know, I want to do it. It's always basketball. Yeah, yeah, I always, I said, and then I said to myself, I said this to myself, I said to my agent, there'll be somewhere in the world where I'll be, I can be what I want to be. I can be a Hall of Fame, I can be, you know, and do this or do that because I know I can do it. 
and it doesn't mean that I'm a failure that I didn't make it here. I'll go somewhere else and make it. And and that's what I said to to him. And he said, "Look, I understand." So we went back, and I said, no, "Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to do the contract." Have you ever thought, what if I had chosen football? <laughs> to be honest with you, nah, because. <sighs> It's not in my heart. It wasn't in my heart. I don't know if my heart would have grown to love it or the desire to to, to feel that a, a football player is a football player, a basketball player is a basketball player. You know, we that's. I mean, I mean, if you are what you are, and, and you know you still can do it, and it may may not be on a higher stage, but on a higher platform. But I'm still doing what I love. Right and the football, I just felt that I could have got hurt because I didn't know the game. I was a rookie. I was a rookie, and those and back in those days, your boys are hurt you. Just even though I was on the defense, and you know you get a interception and you're coming back, and you know you barely get hit, but you know you just don't know the game. I didn't. I didn't feel that I loved the game. Basically, football was out of the picture, and it was just basketball. Your your stint in the Philippines was that before you came to the NBL? No. Okay. The thing that happened, I played when I played in the summer league with Houston in LA. The Philippines were there looking at us, and they were trying to. I mean, they were looking at players to play in their league if they didn't make it to the NBA. So, I wind up going to. Australia, and then the Filipino league started after Australia. So I went over to the Philippines the year after. I mean, not the year after the the season, like our season finished, days began, and I went straight away there to play. Then I came back here. And what was it like in the Philippines? Uh, I loved it. The, the Philippines was cool. I, I I I really liked our team. We won the championship. I had a real good team, and the people there—I mean, they—they they treat you like a rock star. You know what I mean? It, 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 basketball is their number one sport. We played that. We played. Well, you know where Muhammad Ali fought Joe Frazier. Uh, Joe, yeah, it was a Joe Frazier. Joe Foreman, the Thriller in Manila. That's where we played all our games. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was—it was on TV. It was—it was you know every every game. Was on TV like that. The game of the week on a, a Wednesday was on TV. Then they had the ones on Saturday on TV and stuff like that. So you so got significant was, coverage. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, the, the Philippines was nice. And what about when you came to the NBL prior to coming to Australia? Did you know anything about Australia, and in particular, did you know anything about the basketball league? No, didn't know anything. The, the person that. Um, was enlightening me was Ken Rich joined me Ken Cole because Ken Cole was at Louisiana State with me he was there with Andy Campbell he played with me at LSU as well he's Australian and you know who else was there this is so funny because we just laugh you know uh, Jackson Lauren Jackson yes yes her mother wow what a small world played her, 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 her mom's played at LSU that's crazy played the same time I played because I, I seen them in camera, and I'm going like, wait, hold up, get up. What, what you doing? What, uh, Al, 
called me, you know, she hugged me. I'm like, what? what the? She said, no, my daughter Lauren. I said, oh, shit, that's your daughter? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because I didn't see them for a long time. And she, the mom can play, too. She she was a baller. Ken was the one that told me about Australia. And that's how you, you came down? Yes. Yeah. West Adelaide had a position, and they were, they were saying, they look like we're, we're, we're interested in bringing you here to Australia. Referee says, fellas, take a break. It's half time. Hey, everyone. I just want to say a very big thank you to those who have engaged with A5Q. I really do appreciate all the support. I trust you're enjoying delving into all things Australian sport, and hopefully you will continue to stick around. It would be a massive help if you could please do me a solid. Subscribe to the podcast and hit me up with a rating and a review. Gaining as much positive feedback as possible helps boost my visibility and it allows the podcast to be seen by other Australian sports tragics out there. Now, enough of that. Let's get back into it because the second half of A5Q is about to get underway. And what about that 1982 West Adelaide Bearcats side? Played with Peter Alley and Ray Wood, Leroy Loggins, Ken Richardson. You won the MVP in 82 as well as the championship. Al Green and... Cal Bruton absolutely elated with the final outcome. Cal Bruton obviously disappointed. West Adelaide, the winners of this 1982 National Basketball League final. Yeah, that was an awesome team. And that team, you know, of like Leroy, like if people ask me today who was the best player ever played out here. Now, like you said, he was on my team and we taking votes from each other. I got the MVP, but Leroy's the best player I've seen. I don't know if you'd agree if you agree with this, but I think Leroy Loggins is one of the, if not the best basketball player that never played in the NBA. Yeah, see, in those days, you, you had the Ice Man that was like smoky, thin, and whatever. But yeah, his game. It's funny to say that because it was more of a physical game. And, and, and Leroy was smooth. I, I mean, you know, I love playing with him. And, and Leroy would adapt. He would adapt. You know what I mean? Because you had Walter Davis that was coming out at that time, too. And he was thin. You know, you look at the Greyhounds. I call them the Greyhounds. Right? But, you know, I, I hold to fact pretty much close to what you say about it. Because he would adapt it. And he was awesome. He, I mean, you know, as a teammate, like me and him both averaged 27 points a game. You know, I was more of the flashy part. He was, he takes care of business. He just takes care of steals, you know, uh, blocks and, you know, just all of the little things he does. He does so well. So you know? can I ask who's better, Al Green and Leroy Loggins or Andrew Gaze and Leonard Copeland as a duo? Andrew and Lenard. 
Menard gets the second one. You know what I mean? The second person gets Menard, right? And that's not taking nothing away, but you're talking about two Hall of Famers. I mean, you know, no, Leonard will be a Hall of Famer, but you're talking about two MVPs compared to one. Yeah, fair right? call, fair call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and like I said, we both average 27 each, and we, you know, we were DNI people too, you know what I mean? And that's where I would say it would be me and him. What about the grand final in, in 1982? You played against Geelong, and they had a good team, the likes of Cal Bruton and the Alabama slammer James Crawford. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, look, um, we got them. <laughs> we, we got them. We, we um, you know, knew what we had to do. We were favorites to win anyway, right? You were definitely the best team that season. Yep, yep, yep. So we like so. Uh, other words, I mean, really, realistically, we didn't let ourselves down or South Australia down. You know, in that in that part, we weren't a better team. Cal is Cal. Cal's good. Uh, I say pound for pound, Cal's one of the best players that's ever come out here. Uh, James Crawford is James Crawford, Alabama slammer. <laughs> he was fantastic, James Crawford. Yeah, yeah, I love James Crawford. He, he he's good. He's good. So yeah, I mean, and and we had a good team. We had Ken Richardson, and he was coming off the bench, but he was a player coach. And Ray Woods, Peter Ally, that was. I mean, that that's a team that I'll never ever forget. Even our thirty-six team, that was that's awesome. And we had a whole lot of makeup of players, but having those guys. Because it was your first one, it was our first. It was my first championship, and I'll never forget it. A couple of years later, nineteen eighty-four, you really put yourselves as the premier guard because you scored seventy-one points against Frankston, and still to this day, thirty-six years later, it's a record. Do you actually remember that game? You know, you know the funny thing about it. It was a lead up to the game because I was talking to some other people and they go, oh man, you yeah, must have been hot that night. So wait, wait, hold up. The night before, I had 60. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, you were scoring 50 here, 55, 57. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it wasn't like, you know how, you know, you say, okay, I, uh, he, he got hot that night. No, 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 I was hot every night. <laughs> I damn near average 40. So when, when it got to 70, when I, when I got to 70, I didn't know I had it. And they told me, and I go, well, the other night I had 60, you know, and it, it wasn't being big-headed. It was just that I had this mentality that nobody could guard me. You were I confident. Said, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just said, no, nah, none of y'all can guard me. And I just, I was just scored. What about the, the year after? Because 1985 was the year the 36ers became one entity with the amalgamation uh, with the Bearcats and the Sixers. You seem very, very adamant that the the history of the Bearcats should be involved in conversation with the 36ers. Oh, hell yeah, you got to. Because you know what? Numbers don't lie. And this is what I'm saying about numbers don't lie. If And I know you, you're a smart man. You've been studying your homework. How many players from West Adelaide went over to the 36ers? In the coach. Wasn't it about five? Yes. <laughs> oh, did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, you got it right. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five of us. Five that's half the team. And the other one, that's a club. Everybody else was from other clubs. So 
So you might have one person from South. You might have one person, two people from Stewart. Uh, uh, Daryl Pierce was from Forestville. You know, you had that. But you had, but the one club had five people in yeah. the culture. Yeah, I mean, and, as I know, said, that's I half just, the team, so. Yeah, and I, I just felt that they didn't really. And, and I think a lot of it had to do probably with West Adelaide wanted to try to keep their own identity and their own little way and to do it the way whatever but I just felt that we as as a group we didn't get the credit we should have got um you know like it was like a welcome but we're not really you know we need you for what we need you for and then it kind of got swept under the carpet but I think they made up for it a lot of it now and you know they you know we're family we're a family. We won. We won for South Australia, and you know the, the banners hanging up there, the West Adelaide banner. So, you know, and you know, I've I've been with the Thirty Sixes just as long as I was with Westie. So, and we've had great years when I played with the Thirty Sixes. So, I can't. I can never ever argue about them. They they've done just to me. Nineteen eighty five. Ken Cole comes in as coach. He's a larger-than-life figure, he, you know, rocked, rocking up to training in his Lincoln with the boots and the hat. What are your memories of, of Ken Cole and what was your relationship with him? Oh, man, I was, I mean, like I said, he's the one that brought me out here. So, I, I mean, I owe him, I mean, didn't owe him nothing because I would, I would have been somewhere anyway, but I was glad I was here. And he, he you know, like, he's like a big brother to me. He's like a big brother. He's good, good people. <clears throat> he's so sincere about the game. And he knows a lot. He's, you know, he's got so many. I, I, I was, one time when I visited him, he, when, when he first got out, he had cancer in America. I went and stayed about four days with him in San Diego. And we were sitting there for like, golly, to about four o'clock in the morning talking and talking about basketball. And he, you know, his life experiences. I thought mine's was was flipping his his goes to another play page. You know what I mean? Mm. You flip through pages, it's, it's like a book, encyclopedia, right? And he, you know, he played against the Harlem Gold Trials. He used to be with the the Generals, and he's just got so many different stories. It's amazing. So he's the one that brought me out here. And when he, you know, when he was acting the way he was acting, I was laughing because it took the pressure off us. That, that was the whole thing with it. He took the pressure off us because, you know, oh, this is the dream team. This is this. This is that. And then Ken walks around like he's walking around. Look at the coach, man. And then he just takes it off us. Yeah, because he would say in the press conferences and stuff, he'd say, oh, we're going to go smash them. We're going to go make a record and stuff like that. These days, it's coaches will say, oh, we're going to take it one week at a time. We're going to do the basics right. He would just say what he genuinely thought. Yeah. And, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, I mean, like I said, he was awesome. He, um, and like, I still see him now, you know, his wife had a birthday a few months ago. I went to, to her birthday and, you know, Pauline, she's, awesome lady whole family whole family is, you know i've known them i've known the kids since they were since they were babies mm. right so you know because you think about it this february i've been here 40 years yeah wow 40 years you've been and here so longer I'm than you've been than you're in america yeah that's right well you're 100 
What about the the 1985 grand final loss? I think the 36 is probably in that period when you were the Invincibles the year after. You probably were unlucky not to win more championships, but against Brisbane, coached by Brian Curl, and they had your old mate Leroy Loggins and Larry Sengstock and Cal Bruton. What do you think it was in that? Because because that year, 1985, that was the last year where it was just one grand final. Yeah, that's right. See, I think I think it went the best, uh, the best, you know, like the best three. I mean, best of five. We would have won. We would because um, the thing that happened, they set the best record. But we tied with them, but they I think they beat us early, and that's why they had the home court advantage in that one game, in that one game. Yeah, and we just, you know, we, we didn't do what we needed to do, and they were a real good team, and you know, like you said, you're playing against Leroy, playing against Cal, you know, he's, he's no joke. And they had Ronnie Ratliff, he wasn't bad, you know, good shooter. And Danny Mosol, they, they had a good team. Danny Mosol was an Olympian. I think, though, the year after, 1986, in my opinion, I think that individual year is the greatest NBL side we've ever seen. 24-2. And, and you guys yeah. averaged like 130 points a game. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, so, some people always try to diss it and try to say, oh, no, 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 but come on. It's like you just said, numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. That team was awesome. Like We used to go into games and like when they see us, you could see the fear in their eyes. And we used to say, well, how much buy? I'm trying to see how much we're going to beat these. these look, look at the fear. How, how much we're going to beat them. Right? And we don't muck around. We just went into the game like that. One playoff game against Wollongong, we like scored, beat them 44. You know, I mean, like we, I think we scored the most points in the game. It was, it was crazy because we were just so cocky and so confident. And it wasn't cocky, it was more confident. Did you feel any pressure though as you got towards the end of the season, like that you had to win? No, no, you're not coming. You, you had to have pressure because what happened with Ken? <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about the Ken Cole that season. He had that issue with the marijuana, and yeah. and then he got suspended. And you guys wanted to play for him, and you demanded that head honchos to let him back in. What was the story there? I mean, no, it was just simple as is that you know we we had to climb a, a mountain, and he was the one diagramming which way we're going to go up the mountain and to lose him I just thought you know myself and a couple of the senior guys you know we just kind of like not not put our foot down we just say Ken look I know there's difference in uh, people feelings and it's motion involved but we want to win a championship and we want to win a championship with him we're not trying to say that we're not going to play we're not we're not saying nothing like that but it'd be really really good if we can win with with Ken and you know and they seen that we were sincere about it we wasn't threatening we wasn't man hell with that we don't have him we ain't playing dog you know whatever man you know we didn't do that we didn't do that we just said look let's go ahead and get him coaching us again and let's go ahead and get this chip. Because obviously, this happened, I mean, I was born in 97, so this is 12 years before I was born, or 11 wow. years, sorry. Yeah. But 
was it like because all he did was uh, you know you know something to be perfectly honest with you yeah i wasn't there i don't know <laughs> yeah i had to be i said somebody they would say oh no he did this i said well look i wasn't there i don't know what happened uh did, did he or didn't he he said he did or he said he didn't i said look only thing we care about is playing basketball that's what that's what we're here for to play and y'all gonna get caught up in the drama but i you know to be honest with him and to be honest with them they had their controversies and that was that's what led led it to it yeah because there, there were issues already yeah. it wasn't yeah. It? oh yeah hell yeah hell yeah and and i always say and i'll say this to today because i say this to my kids but listen two wrongs don't make a right <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. two wrongs don't make a right so you know he could be wrong in one part they could be wrong in another part but if you're gonna play it off to say like this here oh no 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 i'm not wrong because no, 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 two wrongs don't make a right so you both admit whatever happened happened and we both were wrong now let's move on and that's what we were saying basically we didn't put it in that terminology at the time but that's the terminology of it you know two wrongs don't make a right no, I agree. Yeah. He ended up coming back and he did win the championship to get one over Brisbane considering they'd beaten you the year before. 36ers will be Australian champions. Finally, after Great two pass. years, they can forget a shocking memory. Spear, a rebound stolen by Radliff. He hasn't given up. Ray Wood to Spear. The crowd countdown. Spear misses with the shot. No, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Open your cans of West End because that is the ball game. The West End 36ers are Australian champions in an awesome display of power basketball. Brilliant basketball. There's the man, Ken Cole, in his last game as the 36ers coach has led them to a national championship. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. And the bad thing about it was the best of three, so we played the one up there in Brisbane. We beat them. And then... We come back down here and we lost because we had the champagne ready to pop. Then it was the best of three. So you had so to go back. Then we had to come. That was a Friday night. Then we had to come back on Saturday. I mean, on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, it was, it was crazy. You know, I love spoiling surprises. And in due time, another episode will be uploaded including a chat I had with Dale Kickett, who is one of the cult figures, one of the absolute legends of the Fremantle Football Club. And he has a very, very interesting story because although he played over 130 games for the Dockers, he's actually one of the very, very rare players who has played for not one, not two, not three, not four, but five AFL clubs. That's right. He comes from a small town in, in Western Australia called Tamman. He was an Indigenous man who made his way to the top level of AFL and never really felt settled in an AFL club. He played one season at Fitzroy in 1990. He then went to the West Coast Eagles the year after and that, that didn't work out. He only played the two games in what was a very, very good team uh, down there at, at West Coast Eagles. He then went to St Kilda for one season where he played almost every game in that one season but for some reason was was dropped from the team. He had a year where he went back to the WAFL came back to the AFL in 1994 for one season at the Essendon Football Club where he played eight games and then finally settled at Fremantle in 1995 for their first ever season, played in their first game against Richmond 
and played the rest of his career at the Dockers. So here's a little snippet of Dale Kickett's interview. For that fleeting second after the time went, uh, it was great. For me, what a not so flash. I missed half a season. I suppose you could say it tainted myself in a not so good way. I lost a lot of money playing those games because contracts that I got towards the end of my career were were performance based. I suffered a little bit of, because I copped it from everywhere in Perth. If, if you if you know Perth, it's only a small place. Um, everywhere, my kids copped it at school, so I went through a bit of a uh, I suppose you could say depression at the time, but yeah. So whilst that the game might have been a spectacle for people outside, it wasn't so flash for me. And and uh, you know, anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot to say about playing that game, but probably best left unsaid. <laughs> if you enjoyed that little snippet, you'll enjoy the entire interview. So definitely stay tuned for that. It will be available soon. But now let's get back to our green. Do you still catch up with those guys from 1986, like Daryl Pierce and Mark Davis, yeah, I, Bill I, I Jones? Daryl, I, I talk to Daryl sometimes because Daryl is in Melbourne. As a matter of fact, I spoke to Dwayne Nelson. Uh, what was it? Monday. Monday, because he had a birthday a week ago, and I called him and he hit me back up. But yeah, I, I talked to I, I talked to him, but we was on the phone about an hour. Right, that's, he, he's a real good guy. Dwayne Nelson, he doesn't he doesn't live in Adelaide still, does he? No, 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 he no. does live in Adelaide, yes. Oh, he does? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah. Because he was such a, an underrated figure in yeah, that year. He, he was a good player. He, he was. was. We, we used to call him the snake, right? He's just so slippery, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, he was, he, he was good. And he always just played his role, what he had to do. He wasn't worried about being the star of the team. He just said, look, I'm, I'm part of a, a, a great team and I'm just going to play my role. And he did it well. Do you think that period, the 36ers should have won more titles? I mean, okay, you know, the thing that happened, and I think the management, would, it, it, it would be almost like Chicago. They won the six, but that's completely different. But you go, why are you going to break this up? And it's like, because if we had Ken and we brought in Mark Brickley a little later, we had a whip. We had a whip. And I'm, I'm telling you, with him, because he he knew all of our he knew all of our emotions. He knew all of our uh, attitudes. He we would I, I, I honestly think we would want another. I would say no less than three. Because it's probably three, you got to win three titles in a probably five to six year for it to be a, a dynasty or a dynasty. There you go. That's right. You know what I mean? And, right. and yeah, you, you got, because even when Gary Fox took over the year after or his first two seasons, you guys finished top, but you just, you couldn't do it yeah. in finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you probably look at that and you could probably make a case to say the 36ers could have won four championships in a row. Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling you now, um, and I, I even think that that, that third year we were, we finished top two. I'm almost, I, we, I know we finished up there. And and I go, you know, and, it, and I feel sorry for Daryl. I mean, I feel sorry for Foxy because he had to fulfill Ken's shoes. And the way that Ken left, the players never, ever was happy with it. I mean, 
we were professionals and we dealt with it, but we wasn't happy with it, you know, because we thought our big brothers, if they can work this out, we can have a dynasty, right? So now you bring somebody else and now you want us to say, no, 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 no. We're going to still have a dynasty with this person, but you're dictating to us what we feel. That's right, yeah. <laughs> that's hard, that's hard. You can't do that. And, and, no one, and we're men. It's not like we're young boys. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That would have so, been difficult for, for Gary Fox, though, as he said. Oh, man, I felt so sorry for him. And, and Gary, was he was a good coach. I mean, he's, he was like, if we get on the plane, we all on the plane joking around. He'd bring some papers to us with the, like we were playing Steve Coffey you know, on the Sydney Kings, and he's got all of the, uh, all of the stats on all their players and, you know, who I'm guarding and how to guard them. And, dude, I'm looking at him like, man, I looked at him and we just started laughing. We said, okay, okay, he's a school teacher. Uh, we understand because he is, he, that's his, he's, a, he's literally, a, he used to be a school teacher. Right. Right? So he's A's and B's, you know what I mean? Like he, one, two, you know, he sticks to the rules. And he, he but, but, but I'm telling you right now, he knew his stuff. Gary was good. I, I like Gary. But he just came to us at the the wrong time they were never gonna accept him it was and just a bit a, a bit of a or, awkward position for him to be in yeah yeah he used to i mean remember the last game we had he me and him sat down in the uh in the office underneath it was at apollo and me and him sat down and we talked and he just said al they never accepted me you know he never accepted me i said no i said no yep that's the one funny situation gary and um, he's, and, uh, and then we just left it like that, didn't he laugh? So, what led to you leaving the 36s? Oh man, it was about that time. A lot of things were happening in my life, and it was just like they wanted to try to do something else, and it wasn't playing me. And I go, Look, you won't tell me, you won't make me retire. I retire when I'm ready to retire. As you're getting old, you're getting this. I said, look, my slow pace is quicker than some people's fast pace. Yeah, because you're that good. <laughs> Come on, dude. You know, like, you know how people be trying to outrun you down the court? I'm laughing at him. I'm 40 running down the court <laughs> right beside him. You run him. He's old. He's a, you're like, dude, you know, I'm a, I'm a sprinter. You, you're not going to beat me down the court even when I'm a 40. And that's, I mean, they didn't, you know, even that year, the year I left, the first year I got to Newcastle, I made the all-star team. So you still had it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I let our team in scoring and everything else. And I said to Newcastle, I promise you one thing, because they were the, one of the bottom teams. Before I leave here, we'll be in the playoffs. And when I left, we were in the playoffs. Yeah, because your first two seasons there, you missed the, the finals, yeah. and then the last yeah. season you got there. Yes, and then I, I retired. So what, when an a professional athlete knows it's time to hang up the boots, how do you figure that out? Do you Is it emotional? Do you just go, I've had enough? How did you work that um, out? Okay, two things that played in my career, injuries, I didn't have any. I mean, I maybe missed one game out of 300 and something games, right? Very lucky. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first one I had was, and it was my own teammate that, hit me in the nose with Newcastle and broke my nose of um, Cougar, Grant Cougar, right? And oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he made a mistake and he was putting up 
arm because somebody was holding him and he put it up and I was cutting through guarding somebody and he popped me and I go, who the, I mean, I said, I'm going to kill that guy. And he looks at me, Al, it was me. I go, oh my God. So I'm sitting there with my nose all messed up. Then, about two months later, I'm getting ready to go for a rebound and one of the big guys is under there. So I'm dipping down and he comes and throws his arm out and gets me underneath the windpipe. And I couldn't talk. Some people thought that was great. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't talk. And and then I was going into the, uh, you know, massage guy. And I said, damn, man, every time I get up in the morning, my back is hurting. It's sore. It's just not hurting where I can't play. Just sore. And he said, Al, I'm sorry to say, bro, you are 40 years old. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I didn't like you know how you party on the road you know shit we used to have fun we used to have fun and all that was old you know pack your suitcase here we go again and and i just went in there because they they wanted me to play the next year they were going to sign me for the next year and i and they talked tom wisman says to me oh what you want more money what what is i said tom you know something's not the money you know how when you know you had enough you had enough, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired. You want to go on to the next chapter? Yeah, yeah, I'm just doing this and doing that. I said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want to think. I had some stuff hooked up back here in Adelaide. Because, uh, like I said, I have good friends that, Al, whenever you come home, you know, we're going to take care of you because you keep it real. You keep it real, right? And um, they took care of me. So um, I've always, that's, I've always lived to my life to say, Never rely on anybody to take care of you. Make sure you take care of yourself. It's like that basketball world and sports world is a is a mean world. It's very cutthroat. You know? Yeah. So so that's what I did. <laughs> I love what you mentioned about how they how you, they say it was good that you you couldn't talk because as I said I've watched that Thirty Sixes documentary and. Mark Davis said, you're the most trash-talking cat out there. I love that. You know, because you know, you know how sometimes you get in the game and you get bored. And I'm playing and I'm going like, man, somebody say something. And the coaches used to say, don't do not talk to him. Do not get, don't get into a verbal with him because he's just going to play better. He's going to, he's going to feed off that energy. He's going to feed off of it. And, and I remember a couple of guys did that a couple of times, they, and their coach pulled him out, and he came back out, yo, what's up? You ready? You ready? And, oh, your coach so you don't talk to him. He said, he got mad at me, started yelling at me, telling me, I told you don't say nothing to him, you know how he is, you know he's going to talk shit to you, and you know he gets, you know he's going to get motivated, that's what he's motivated, that's what he's so don't talk to him. And then they, they, he would say, man, I was so mad. I, I felt like I was in school. I couldn't talk. <laughs> That's what the guy said. I died laughing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, that was so funny. And just as we're about to wrap up now, Al, I just want to ask you one more thing about you won Adelaide's Bay Sheffield. At, uh, was it in Glenelg in, the, in 83 and 84? Yeah. You were very athletic, obviously. Was that something you ever considered pursuing? Or was it always <laughs> just going to be basketball? Um, because they, 
I was going to run because the 400 was probably, everybody keeps saying, was probably more my favorite one because I was big, strong, you know, it had a nice long stride and everything. But um, I, it was probably the second, probably one, Darren Clark was number one. And it was no number twos and threes. Everybody was pinching it. And you know, you have a four by four relay team. So a lot of times, you know, even if I didn't make the 100 team, I could have made it by, the, you know, with the four by four relay team. Right? Mm. And they wanted me to run in Canberra. They, they had me a ticket and everything to run, uh, one of the sponsors. And I turned it down. Because I said that was the year we were looking at trying to win the championship. Right? And I said, nah, nah. Because I, I was, I thought about it. I really thought about it. Because I didn't run in the Bay Sheffield for the third one. I could have, I felt I could have won the third Bay Sheffield. I would have been the only one to ever win three in a row, right? But I didn't do it because amateurs couldn't run professionally anymore. Then they changed it again, right? Right. So I, I nicked on doing it because I was thinking about running in the Commonwealth Games. So you know, I, I mean, like, and you know, I was fairly, I was, you know, like you said, blessed. You know, God gave me a talent. And not just a talent, he gave me an athletic ability, a talent, you know, can run, can jump, and, you know, and so I just try to use it as much as I could in any way I could, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, you know, different sports, it was it was great. I loved it. One, one day I sat down and I articulated uh, my, my life and said, you know, I was very fortunate, and especially in Australia, I win an MVP, I win track athlete of the year, right, for running, you know what I mean? I, I mean, what, you know, I'm in the two Hall of Fames for two different sports, you know, and that's all in South Australia, you know what I mean? In the track athlete of the year, is all over Australia, MVP of the NBL is all over Australia, but I'm representing South Australia, you know, and, that, and that's what I felt really happy about my career. And just, we're just going to close up now, Al. I just want to ask you, if I may, I'll ask you three questions all at once. In your entire career, who is the best player you've ever played with? Who's the best player you've ever played against? And who's the best coach you've ever played under and why? Okay. First one, the best player I've ever played with is Leroy Loggins. Right? Because me and him was just magic on the court together. We used to do the pass here, the pass there, and probably the hardest player I played against when he was at to play the way he wanted to play was Cal. Right? He he was a pocket rocket, beautiful jump shot, had the ball on a string. He was hard to guard. And I'm quick and I had to chase him around. Yeah, that shows how quick he was. Yeah, yeah, so it shows how quick he was. So, yeah, those would have been my, you know, because I'm not going to count the Rickies and all of them because I was getting old, and, right? And I, I think Ricky is awesome. Ricky, Ricky Grace, I love his game. And oh, he's, he's champion Ricky Grace. He's a winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to call him Amazing Grace. They used to call him, yeah. But he was class. He was class. Um, yep, yeah. and then what's the other one? Uh, the, so, best, the best coach you've ever played under. Uh, see... That I would have to 
break it down into two scenarios because it was Ken Richardson and Ken Cole, right? Um, because they both were different, but they both affected my life, right? And Ken Richardson had the nonchalant, chill attitude. Ken Cole was more, not emotional, but more dictating, you know, as in, look at me, you know what I mean? I'm, 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 I'm the man. Yeah. And we loved it. I loved it because it just took pressure off me, right? Where Ken Richardson was completely different. And those two, and I guess they were probably around my life when I was competing on a higher stage. Yeah, I said so. There would been been them too. Al, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on Amato's Fifth Quarter. It's been fantastic to have you on. You've had some incre- an incredible career, incredible stories. And I just wish you all the very best in everything you're doing now in your life out of basketball. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, anytime, let me know. I'm, I'm down for you. And that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone for tuning into A5Q. Don't forget to spread the word, subscribe, leave a rating. Until next time, old sport.